I tell you what, I, I, I want to be, I hope you want to be known as a, as a church that goes, right? What, whether it's into our own community or whether it's around the world, we're going uh, to where the need is and meeting. You know, when I think about what we're known for, I mean, churches have reputations, right? They, they, they have good reputations. Sometimes they have something less than a, a good reputation. Some churches kind of arrive, I mean, very few kind of arrive even at a, a national reputation. They're known throughout the country. Uh, Lakewood Church has a, a national reputation. Their, their reputation is kind of Joel Osteen, isn't it? And, and for some, they would consider that a good reputation and others something else, right? <laughs> so there's all kinds of reputations. I tell you, a church I've always been impressed by that I, I think has a national reputation really well known throughout the country. Have y'all ever heard of Brooklyn Tabernacle? I mean, this is a church, and not for a few years, I mean, I think they're probably coming up on like 30 years. They've been known for their worship and they've been known for their prayer. And, and there are churches, I mean, hundreds, thousands of churches throughout this country that have been impacted, that have been affected by the reputation of, of Brooklyn Tabernacle. And, and yet, even as I say Brooklyn Tab or, or Lakewood, I would imagine there's plenty in the room. I don't, think, I don't know if I've heard of that church. It's kind of hard to have a, a national reputation. Most churches, reputation is limited to the neighborhood, right? Maybe to the community around it. And again, it's a good reputation. It's a bad reputation. Maybe they're known for a pastor or a program that they do. Isn't it sad when they're known for something bad that happened? I mean, it's hard for a church to shake that. You know, they, they get a pastor arrested or something. Boy, don't you pray the heights is never... Please pray the heights is never known, known for that. But if, do, you, do you know what church? I mean, somebody got in trouble. The church split. They had, I mean, they can, you can't shake that reputation sometimes for, for decades. And, you know, it made me think the other day, are, you know, are we supposed to work? Are we to be intentional about the reputation that we have? Because sometimes we, we can kind of control what, what the neighborhood thinks of us, and, and, and sometimes we can't. So are we supposed to try? You know, it made me start thinking, you know, you can open up books like Proverbs, and it talks a lot about an individual, a person's reputation. And it seems to say, yeah, you, you do care about your reputation. You guard it. You protect it. Here's the things you do to develop it. You can open up the New Testament and you do find churches have reputations. I mean, think about a, a church in the New Testament that has a reputation. It hasn't been around very long, right? I mean, they're all brand new churches in the, in the New Testament. And yet even there, you see churches... Specific churches begin to have certain reputations. One that comes to my mind, a favorite one of mine, is the, the church in Thessalonica. Let's look real quickly at, at their reputation. If you have your Bible, turn to kind of near the end of your New Testament, end of the Bible. It's after uh, to First Thessalonians. You'll find it after Philippians and Colossians and right before Second Thessalonians, First, Second Timothy. It's in that neighborhood there. First Thessalonians chapter 1 and, and Paul is writing, Paul's addressing to this church, and, and he begins to remember, he begins to think about their, their reputation, what, what they're known for. So let, let's look at how a, a reputation got developed here. He, in verse 1 it says, Paul, Sylvanius, and, and Timothy. That, that's a mission team. 
Hannah's not going to where she's going to to be all alone. And and sometimes you do have missionaries that are out there on the frontier all alone. But she'll be joining a team. You 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 heard her refer to a team there. A lot of times that's how missions is done. We're out there as a team. Paul's writing the letter, but he's saying, hey, the letter is coming from our our team, if you, as you read through, especially something like the book of Acts, you'll, you'll hear them talk about a lot, that the team that's together, and, and Paul and, and, uh, and Sylvanius and Timothy here were part, a core part of that team, and so he, he's saying, hey, this is who the letter's from, it's to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Another way to phrase that, or the way that could be interpreted, who belong to? To, to the church there in Thessalonica, those of you who belong to God and belong to His Son, Jesus. You know, I read that line and man, I tell you what, folks, there is nothing more exciting, nothing more meaningful in my life than the reality that I can say, I belong to God. I, I belong to His Son, Jesus Christ. And, and wh- while it says there, to the church, I, I, I don't belong to God because I'm sitting in a building called a church today. I, I, I don't belong to God because my name is on a roll at a church building somewhere. But I belong to God because of what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross. I, I belong to God because there's the day I came to understand what he did for me. And I put my faith and trust in Christ. And at that moment, that moment I trusted in Christ, followed him in believer's baptism, I became a part of the capital C, church, the universal church. And now I belong to God. And his son, Jesus Christ. Do you? Do you? Can you absolutely with confidence and joy say, man, I belong to him. I'm, I'm his. Man, that's what, that's what Paul thinks of here when he, when he writes this church. And he says, grace to you and peace. Verse 2, we give thanks to God always for all of you. Constantly mentioning you in our prayers. Remembering before our God and Father your. Now just go back to that word remembering. When you remember something about somebody, what are you remembering? Their, their reputation. You remember for what they're known for. You, you do this thing. You're really good at this. This is what you're like. That, that he is referring to here. Man, when I pray for y'all, I remember, I think about your reputation. And, and, and what was that reputation? Look at this. Your work of faith, labor of love, and your steadfastness of hope. In our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's incredible, isn't it? I mean, it's not that there's anything wrong for being known for a, a, a program the church does or a, or a pastor they have. But that, doesn't this just sound a little deeper? A, a little more significant? Man, you guys work hard in the faith. You labor in love. You serve, you work inside the church. You serve and work outside the church. And and everybody who sees it can't help but see there's such love surrounding that. There's such a love with what you do that. And no matter what's going on, you're having a beautiful day or the storm is bearing down. It's so evident you never give up hope in Christ. Doesn't matter what's happening. You never give up hope in Christ. Your great hope is the return of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so he's defining here with these terms their reputation. Look at, look at verse 8, kind of an extension of that. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in, in Macedonia and Achaia, two areas, two regions, you and I would probably refer to this as Greece. 
Not only is the word going out from you all throughout, all throughout Greece. So in other words, this is a church that kind of has a national reputation. They're kind of known through a very large region there. But your faith in, but your faith in God, God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. You know, another way, I've seen some other translations, that phrase, so we need not say anything, is everywhere we go, people are saying We don't have to tell people that the church in Thessalonica has great faith. Everybody already knows. Everybody's already talking about it. Isn't that incredible? That that, that there's something to be known by there. You know, I think you could take each one of those phrases, those three phrases we mentioned, and and, and kind of make that, hey, let's stop and study each one of these phrases and, and, and how we might make that our reputation, if you will. But today, I just want to focus on one of the phrases. That that work in faith, the hard work of faith. This is not saying working hard to have faith, but rather it is a faith that motivates hard work. Faith that moves us to action. It's the idea, and this would, this would kind of apply to any and every area of the Christian life. I mean, the plate went by a, while, a moment ago. Why, why do I give? Why, why do I give to the church? Why does somebody do that? Well, because they believe. Faith motivates. They believe God said to. They believe it counts in heaven. They believe it makes a difference. They believe it's an act of worship, an act of love. See, it's faith that moves that activity. And it can be a hard work of faith sometimes, can it? Or, or witnessing. Why, why does somebody share the gospel, especially in a culture that says, shh, don't talk about your faith out loud. Well, why would somebody do that anyway? Because they believe heaven is real. Hell is real. Real people are going to spend a real eternity in one of those places. And that faith moves what? Activity. It moves to action. Why does somebody, why does somebody pick up their Bible and read it? It's, it's belief that motivates that, isn't it? I believe this is the word of God. I believe my life is to be under it. My life is to be shaped by it. It, it, It's a faith that moves, sometimes a hard work of faith that moves to that activity. I mean, really, again, anything we might do as Christians, anything we might do to, to grow in Christ, know Christ, follow Christ, it's a faith that is moving that activity. And that would certainly be true for prayer, wouldn't it? I mean, it takes faith to say, dear Lord. It it takes even greater faith. I mean, think about it. You ever said, dear Lord, and and when you got done and said amen, you weren't sure if it went beyond the ceiling? Ever ever prayed and then two, three days, I don't don't know know if it made a difference or not. I don't don't know if my prayer's been answered or, or not. I don't know if this works. And yet you again say, dear Lord. I mean, to keep praying, to keep going back to prayer, that takes faith, doesn't it? Sometimes it's the hard work of faith to keep doing that. Man, I, can't, I just can't help but think, like this church in Thessalonica, if there was something to be known for, it, it would be our faith. And I don't think I would say, here's the one thing. I, I mean, there's so many things that are important. I don't know, it would be a list of three, a list of five. I, I don't know how long those would be, but it would certainly have to include faith and prayer that comes from that faith. I mean, shouldn't that be the reputation of any church? How they believe, how they call on God, pray to God. As a matter of fact, isn't that the reputation Jesus wants us to have? 
Y'all remember when he said, I want this house, I, I want this gathering of people to be known as a house of prayer. To be known as, that's a word we use for reputation, right? I mean, isn't Jesus kind of giving us a marching order there? I want your gathering, I want your being here to have a reputation of calling down heaven. Of praying greatly to God. I mean, I tell you, I think there are some ways in which we really have that kind of opportunity to be that place. I mean, we have hundreds of individuals. Not, not, a, not a lot. Hundreds Hundreds and hundreds of people throughout, throughout this fellowship that faithfully pray. Pray for the ministries of this church. Pray, pray their pastor doesn't get arrested, right? Right. Pray with me on that. You know, you pray for the pastors. You pray for the ministry. There are hundreds of people. This is profound. There are hundreds of people that for the next two years will pray for Hannah Southall because of what happened here just a few moments ago. You know, it's not just a cliche. Oh, yeah, I'll be praying for you. I'm not. No, they will take time, whether it's weekly or daily or monthly, to remember, to call out her name, to pray for her. And that makes a difference. Hundreds of people will do that. We have small groups throughout our church that, that are so faithful to pray, to do that hard work of prayer, of faith for us. Our deacons... Our deacons are a praying group of people. I don't know if you knew that about them, but there are multiple places throughout every single week that our, our deacons are, are, are praying for this gathering, praying for this church, praying for her ministries. And we all benefit from that. We have life groups, certainly, that are, you know, prayers a part of every life group. We have one life group that for years has met up here every Monday night to pray. To, to pray over the prayer requests they heard the day before. To, to pray for those ministries, those pastors and, and people. I mean, they're, they're, they're meeting to pray. Your staff prays. We, we, we get together every Thursday. I say every. Maybe say 47 Thursdays a year. There's four or five we miss. But, but 47, 48 Thursdays a year we meet right here. 9.15 on Thursday mornings to pray for you. To pray for our ministries, to pray about what's going on. So, so there is a lot of individuals, there's a lot of those small groups that are really seeking to be that house of prayer. To be this place that, that calls on God. I think one place that we could continue to advance, grow a little bit more, is how we as a large group are seen as doing that. You see, I mentioned a lot of these things. A lot of you don't know the hundreds of individuals. You didn't know there was a group that was praying up here on Monday night or that the staff prayed on Thursday. So when I say the large group, it's, that, it's those ways that all of us know that, that, that we're all praying. You know, uh, back at the beginning of the year, we said this was going to be, a, a, the, the theme for this year was going to be a year of prayer. That that was going to be our focus. And you might remember we kind of started the year off with a series on prayer. We handed out. Y'all remember when we handed out this book? Of course you do because you still have it and use it every week, right? Just not makes me feel good whether it's the truth or not, right? And, and you might remember that in here there was, there was four or five pages. I mean detailed pages of, of all the things our church needs prayer about. All through this year. So that was a way of getting us as a, as a group to be praying for the church. And so we, we handed that out. Well, this fall we want to uh, 
kind of reinfuse that theme. And we're not going to do it with a sermon series. We're not going to do it with a, a book that we're going to hand out. But really, in kind of growing and developing places that our church family has to pray. I want to tell you about three, real quickly, just three new opportunities for us as a family, for us as a whole group where it's easy to get to, where we can go and, and pray. And I'm going to mention days and room numbers and times, and you're going to be trying to write that all down. If you have a bulletin, it's right there in the middle column. Bingo, right there. If you got a bulletin, just look right there. There's the dates, there's the times, there's the, the places that that will be going on. But you'll see there it says prayer opportunities, and there's, there's three there. One is what, what I'm just kind of referring to as a prayer chapel. We've, we've not had something like that, and we're going to try to start something like that. Uh, what's a prayer chapel? It's a place, it's a room you can go to and, and pray. We're going to have that uh, from 820 to 920, and then... Uh, 11.15 to 12.15. Now, there's an hour I left out, right? It's the hour that you're here. So what about our hour? Where do we go? You get here a few minutes early or you stay a few minutes late, right? You get a few minutes before the service or a few minutes after the service. But, but that room is there. It's in our parlor, kind of over that direction. That room is there. If you have a, want to go there and just pray alone, uh, maybe somebody shares something with you and you say, hey, listen, why don't we go over here to the parlor and just pray for a few moments together? Two, three, four of you. Maybe you just want to go somewhere and tell somebody, hey, I need prayer or have somebody to pray with you. There'll be a deacon that, that always mans that room that'll, that'll be in there. So it, that'll be a place for that to happen every single Sunday for, for the whole church. That opportunity uh, is there. You know, on, on Sunday mornings, this can be a, a pretty loud Pretty fast, pretty busy place, right? And, and I don't say that as an apology. Hey, we, we gather to celebrate. We gather to party here on Sunday mornings. That, that really is it. We've got good news and we're celebrating our God. But, but in the midst of all that busyness and fastness and the crowds moving, hey, have you ever had a Sunday where you, what you really needed was a place to be really super still and you just needed some, some quiet yeah, well, we do want to provide that. We do, in the midst of the, the busyness and the loudness and all the moving, have a place where you can go and be still and quiet when that might be a need in your life. So that's a new opportunity uh, that we're going to have there. The second one you see says praying with the deacons. I, I, I wrote that. It looks kind of funny. It almost sounds like a ride at SeaWorld, doesn't it? Praying with the deacons. The, you know, the reason I called it that is because nothing about this is new. As I said a moment ago, our deacons have two or three places throughout the week that they already gather for pray for prayer. They've done it for, for years, and there's nothing about what they're doing that only a deacon can be in here. You need to show your card at the door. No, they, they want the whole church to join. The whole, the whole church is available uh, for this time and this opportunity. And two of them, there's more, but two of the opportunities. Uh, one, now this is a little bit out of the way, but Sunday morning at 730 uh, we have a deacon, and at times others join him, but, but Tim Mead has, has met out there in the center of the concourse at 730 for years, just covering this place in prayer, going over to the children's area, over to the youth, the adults, comes in here, prays over the chairs. And I'm, I'm telling you, folks, we have no concept of the power of what that does for us. Do, do you realize, because of a moment like that, this church never gathers without communicating to God, we're wholly dependent upon you for anything good and right that might happen in this morning, that, that might happen in our 
services. And, and, and so, you know, I, my guess is that's something a lot of us are not going to do every single Sunday. But hey, a handful during the year? Yeah, a handful during the year. I can come up here, meet and walk around and, and, and pray and just cover the place with prayer. Another one. Now, while that one's a little out of the way, this one couldn't be more in the way. Well, that doesn't sound right. Easy. This one couldn't be more easy. That's, that's our deacons meet before every service. Every single service. Five minutes before the service. And they, they just meet over here and they just kneel at the altar and, and pray. Again, telling the Lord, hey, we're, we're dependent upon you. And, and you can join them. There's, again, there's no got to be in a club to go do that. No, anybody can come up here to the altar. And you know what? The announcements are playing and things are going on. You can still bow. Right? I mean, doesn't that communicate something to people when they walk in? If they were to see dozens of people lined up here praying at the altars. Hey, think about what that communicates to heaven. Think about what that communicates. God, we are wholly dependent upon you for what happens in this next hour. So there's, there's a couple of places to, to join. And then the last one, monthly prayer meeting. Uh, it's the second Wednesday of the month, which, believe it or not, this Wednesday is the second Wednesday of the month, and uh, we've got a pretty full schedule on Wednesday night. We're going to start by putting this at 6 o'clock. That's kind of early. You get here at 6.10, you can pop in there in, in process, uh, in progress, but at 6 o'clock to 6.25. Now, that's not a lot of time. So here's how this is going to work. Let me tell you what we're not going to do in the monthly prayer meeting. It's 25 minutes long here. We're not going to spend 24 minutes taking prayer requests and one minute praying, which I just defined most prayer gatherings in churches, right? You, you, you talk about it, and then you pop a quick, dear Lord, amen on top of it. Now, our goal is actually to use the bulk of that time to pray. So we'll kind of set up. There might be a theme. There might be some things that we want to make sure are covered. But we're going to take about two to three minutes to do that. And then we're going to spend about 20 minutes praying. And it'll be a little different each week. Sometimes we might just say, hey, why don't tonight, why don't we just all pray quietly to ourselves for the next 15, 20 minutes. Or, or maybe say, hey, listen, this time, why don't we break up into groups of two, three, four and just make sure all these things are, are covered. Or another time, we might say, hey, let's just pray as a group and whoever feels led, pray, pray out loud. We'll do it a little bit different each time so we don't kind of get in a, in a rut with that. But the, the goal will be to, to get in there and, and to get praying a, as a church. And so there's that opportunity. Now, you might look at all these and say, boy, there's a lot of new opportunities. You might look at them and say, well, boy, that's not much time. Or is that room big enough? You know, I've thought about that. Here, here's the good news. Rooms don't pray. Calendars do not pray. Who and what prays? People. People pray. It's, it's not a calendar that prays. It's, it's not a time that prays. It's, it's people that pray. And, and I'll tell you what our goal is this fall. It's literally to break in. And, and I'm saying, I mean, we, you know, we've kind of allowed this to happen. We need to break in to the ebb and flow of our space. We need to break in to the ebb and flow of our calendar and start planning more places of prayer, Right? And, and so that's our goal is to kind of get into the schedule, to get into the rooms and, and then watch it grow from there. Watch it demand more from there, right? And so the question is not what room or is it enough room or what time is it enough time? I think the question, the challenge for each of us right now is what role will you play so that we'll be known as a house of prayer? 
What, what role will you play so that we as a church are faithful to be a hard-working people of faith that call out to God? What, what role will you play? Now, again, the hard work of faith, that, that means some questions. Ago. Do I have faith that there's a God? Do I have faith that he's called us to pray? Do I have faith that prayer makes a difference? Or how about this one? Do I have faith or do I believe that I have a responsibility for that? That's probably the bigger question. My, my, my guess is most of us, and this is not a negative statement, it's just kind of a reality of a big room my guess is very few people in here feel any personal responsibility that I have the job of making this a house of prayer. Could I lovingly and pastorally tell you, yes, you do? Yes, you do. You will be held accountable by God. Not by me. Not by the person next to you. You'll be held accountable by God because you're, what, Lord, why are you holding me accountable? I'm not the pastor. I'm not a deacon. I'm not... I'm not even anybody important in this church. Do you know none of those descriptions mean anything to God? He does not care if you have a title. He does not care what role you play. He does not care if you're big and important in this church. The church praying is every single one of us. Every one of us has the responsibility to build a reputation that Jesus said this would be known as a place that calls out to God. Now here's the good news. You don't have to do all three of these. You don't even have to do one of these every single week. But how often will you do it? Wh which one will you do? Like I said, you don't have to meet out here every Sunday morning at, at 7.30. Gosh, that's out of the way. But could you go out of the way two times this year? Th three, four times? You don't have to come up here every single service and, and kneel at the altar. But, I, but three, four times over the course of a year? Once a month? You don't have to do any of these things all the time. But which one do you do? Because, hey, I want to be a part of this. So this family, this church. And what if we were known throughout Virginia? What if we were known throughout the whole country? Man, the faith of those people when they pray. You know, I'll be honest with you, it's kind of hard for me to imagine that. Not, not because I believe something negatively about me or you or us as, as a church. It's just, where, where do you see that actually happen? I mean, I mean, there's just not a lot of case history there to say that happens. But why couldn't it happen? Why shouldn't it happen? Why shouldn't that be what you and I are imagining and dreaming? And what, what, what if we all got so committed to doing this... I mean, what would we see, folks, but the power of God fall on our prayers? Hey, man, let's do the hard work of faith, right? Let's pray. Yeah, let, let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we come before you today. Lord, I'm grateful for all of the individuals, all of the small groups, the, the, the pockets of people all through our congregation, all through this family that so faithfully, powerfully, righteously pray. I'm thankful for how we all benefit from those prayers, even if we're able to connect the dots and see it or not. I, I'm thankful for the reality of that. Lord, I, I, I pray that you would move on me, move on every individual in this room, that, that, that we take even a bigger step forward. 
that we all take a personal responsibility for what we call our family, our church. And that we all play our role in showing heaven this place praise. Showing our state, showing our country this place praise. This place believes greatly on God. And Father, we will worship you as the answers come. And we know they will. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.